My spidey sense is tingling. He's the man with a finger to his lips in the quiet car of our lives. He's the host of the Paper Keg podcast. He's slim. This is episode 121. Really big show tonight. Uh, we didn't just record. Don't you worry about that. Minutes ago. Uh, you know, we went into the archives. This is paperkeg.com. Most popular comics podcast in your app right now. Book club we're doing tonight. Marvel Now. Wade Wilson. Deadpool Volume 1. He just yawned in my face. He's the VP of merch. Doesn't look like he's drinking any kind of caffeine right now. This show is... We got big trouble. Uh, he's a father. He's got two kids. He's ready to just kick off his slippers and go right to bed. My sleep shirt is already on. Underscore A. Welcome back to the show. I am not the VP of Tuesday nights. <laughs> uh, it's good to be back so soon after recording. But uh, you know what? We have a responsibility to get new shows out. And if that means doing the next week's show eight days previous, then that's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. All right? Got to get it out there. We do. And that's... Uh, we value. We hold ourselves responsible. Sure. Slim goes to New York Comic Con and rubs it up. I'll take full blame. You know, we ages ago, we briefly toyed with the idea of doing a show without one of the three hosts. Briefly. That's just a thing of the past. My God. Mm. Can you imagine? The two of you old biddies going at it for three hours about Skyrim? <laughs> Miscellanea? I don't know how I'd be. I wouldn't be able to rein it in. I'd get caught up in it. God. Don't you love when non-players overpronounce the sky and Skyrim? Come on, Slip. Get off. I mean, seriously. Uh, God, if only you guys were working on a podcast, you know. Uh, Jonesy loves beer. You are wearing an adorable Hanes tee that I can't keep my eyes off Tagless of. Tagless tee. I just want to snuggle up next to it. Back to your bosom. You're a writer. You're unpublished. You haven't gotten anything published. Uh, and you have a kid now, so that's just out the window. You'll probably never be... S-canned. Okay. Uh, Jonesy, you're you're big on the, uh, the Skyrim as well. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, and I toned down the sepia uh, just for you tonight. Yeah, what, what <laughs> caused the sepia tone in your video last week? What was uh, that? Maybe I had too many carrots before we recorded. I'm not exactly certain. Because it is My like word. you're in a different home. It, literally a different <laughs> setting, but it's the same location. <laughs> I'm just broadcasting from this decade. Um, one of the biggest shows in Paper Keg memory 
Marvel Now. Is this our first Marvel Now book club? Uh, I believe it is. Um, it is not. <laughs> All right, there we go. FF, fact checker. Uh, Dale underscore fact checker. Classic Jonesy going in face first, jumping in. <laughs> just ready to... Uh, just ready to jump oh, that's conclusions right. F- all over the place. F is the, the Marvel Now book we did. Yeah. So this is also our first show post near Comic-Con. So all the news is out. We're all yeah. rested up. I mean... It happened. I just want to say I was right about that Kirkman news. You know, he teased that he would have something new for New York Comic Con, and it turns out it was just a Walking Dead spinoff title. So, something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. Right, guys? And also, I think there was a big reveal that Damien was the true villain in the Batman mm-hmm. Beyond storyline. So you're Absolutely now certain. Absolutely certain. I don't know why they waited so long to announce it at this <laughs> NYCC, but both I'm of those, vindicated, uh, and I feel so Both good. of those news items, you immediately texted us midway through their announcement. <laughs> and just jump to conclusions I before actually they could even finish. Gave you out my company's conference call code so yeah. that we could all get on the same party line and talk about it. Is there anything worthwhile that has happened in the last 48 hours, Dale Newsman, to well, I'm uh, sh- discuss? I'm not sure if um, Jonesy was trolling about the Kirkman book or not, but he is coming out with a new horror book. It is not a Walking Dead spinoff. I don't know what Comic Con Jonesy attended. The one of the future. The one of the future. And uh, it is going to be uh, illustrated by Paul Azteca. Mm. It's going to be called Outcast, about a gentleman who experiences demonic uh, possession on a uh, more than once semi-frequent basis. This guy has got to deal with demonic possession. Count me in. And uh, he uh, he said it's not going to be uh, it's going to it's going to kind of have the realism that The Walking Dead sort of tackles, whereas people with real life struggles, nothing you know, other than the fact that the dead walk, nothing too like supernatural or magic kind of stuff. And he is going to try to keep Outcast in that same vein, what's other the, than the fact that uh, what's the Dale underscore vibe on this book. Can we get a read uh, on it? Yeah, I'll be. I, I have. I got hopes. I'll be picking it up. You can believe that. I'll. Uh, and so will everybody else. I mean, image number ones. It's like it, the image speculator market now. Every image number one is just ready to be sold out. And they're all being turned into TVs. This is probably going to be announced as a TV property. Uh, probably at the shortly same time. after. Jonesy, how do you feel that you don't have a TV property deal under your belt at Man. the ripe age of uh, 32? 31, book close. Um, I don't know. Do I need a TV deal in my life? I think so. Like, can you imagine? Yeah. Like, I'm, all, all, I'm already overbearing and obnoxious and almost impossible to be around. Wrong. Can you imagine being pumped up, you know, like a little bicycle pump, my ego, if I had a TV deal? Yeah. It would be merciless. I, I couldn't have it. Yeah. I wouldn't want it. That's for sure. You'd be uh, drinking mostly. The craft service table would just have constant cans of Diet Coke. <laughs> I'd have one of those uh, baseball hats with the two beer cans with just scotch on either side. Would you get one of those motor motorized scooters at that point if you were like exec producing a TV sh- series? No, but I just got an image in my head of me and like that little director's chair 
with a leather bomber jacket with the big logo of the show on the back, like early 90s style. Yeah. <laughs> like, you guys remember when uh, Patrick Stewart used to rock the uh, high school jacket, a letterman jacket with the Enterprise on the back? Like, I would be that guy. Like, uh, what's his name in the Warner Brothers like catalog, I would I would have the visor and the rippers, the varsity jacket, the visor, the shorts. I would be all about it. Do you remember? I think we talked about it in a way old podcast, but Jesse uh, doing promotional for his TV company. Do you remember the Disney uh, promo videos that were that were like discovered on YouTube like last year, or whatever? But all the actors that were working for ABC Disney at the time filmed like a disney promo video where like they all went to disney and had a great time and hung out with friends i think i gotta look for that on youtube it was amazing oh, man, i would love to see that post the link it was like full house uh era oh, where all those actors like urkel oh. was hanging out at disney and telling you to come to disney and have a great time doing like dances and stuff and step by step was uh you know the family's going for a disney trip Mm-hmm. That were mm-hmm. the best episodes of TGIF is when they would all go to Disney. Somebody would get lost in the park, and we would have to yeah. find them. And they, some you know, some Disney character found out where they were and reunited Mickey. the family. What podcast is this? What are we talking about? I don't know, but step- I think we should have a podcast where we talk about step by step. Every <laughs> Ste- episode, we'll have an, Stephon, a podcast. Stefan Arkell would uh, appear at interventions at Epcot. And, uh, <laughs> Stephon Arkell deleted scenes where Stefan just. And some chick in a <laughs> yeah in a Disney room, <laughs> and it'll all be a somehow a TGIF step by step a Full House mega crossover. Oh, oh yeah. god, we're getting uh, off the rails right now. Dale hasn't had caffeine. I haven't had a five hour. I'm trying to make it up with this iced coffee. I don't know if it's working. If I can be honest with you, but uh, Dale, what did you read this week? I went ahead. I read ElfQuest, the final. Quest. It is a new. Uh, it's an Elf Quest special hmm. out this week, last week, last Wednesday. If you're listening to this audio, um, it is a, a big, huge, sixty-two page one-shot kind of thing. And Elf Quest is. I don't have much knowledge about Elf Quest. I know it's like a super cult fave. And it's been around for a real long time. I feel like we should probably do a book club on it at some point. And um, <clears throat> so I picked it up because it's the first Elf Quest I think I've seen on a uh, on a on a shelf of any kind, on a, in a storefront of any kind for a long time. And I figured, what the heck? Let me dive right into this Elf Quest. And I feel like I just bought into. A subculture, as Don Garvey would uh, make fun of me in my Jeep Wrangler. I bought a subculture. Um, Elf Quest. I, it's like fantasy with elves. Humans exist, and they ride wolves. Their their tribe is called the Wolf Riders. I mean, I and I know this is this is all probably established in like Elf Quest One back in the day. Yeah, duh. Um. I, I was hoping the this special issue would be very user first time friendly because it's the first Elf Quest book I have ever tried to read. However, they throw a lot at you using 
very specialized elf quest sort of dialogue and i can like the best thing i can associate it with was when we read dapper men hmm. and it was like very like it had its own rhythm had its own kind of dialogue its own words for things and that's the feeling i get but this is like in a fantasy setting with elves and there's a human couple giving birth and they're like the chief of the elf tribe is the grandsire to this new baby and it's all, it's a whole lot of that and i'm not sure that page to page it made a lot of sense to me unfortunately oof i wanted to like it i wanted to i wanted to get into this elf quest but i'm afraid this issue is probably not very user friendly for the first time rook as they would say the rookie do they call them rooks in the elf elven language i'm not so sure hmm. but they should i don't know um, how i feel about this book i guess elf quest is coming to dark horse in a big way though <laughs> and um, i don't know it's uh I would love to hear some some user reviews for somebody who has read ElfQuest. Other than this, there's a tribe of sea elves, and there's a whole lot of like couples. Oh, like swinging uh, quests? No, no swing quests. It looks no. like it looked like more monogamy quest than anything. But they were just. It was all about love, and the couples were speaking to each other in lovey-dovey <gasps> terminology, and babies were being born. Yeah, combat is really, really had an odd feel to the book. Hmm. All right, and I apologize uh, <laughs> to the creators, the the married couple who did Elf Quest. I'm not. I'm not discounting the book just yet, but this wasn't for me. I, I, I'm sorry. Wasn't is it Elf Quest or EverQuest that is? the one where people just have sex all the time. Is there, or is there another quest that's like about love making? That's, um, I think it's called, uh, pretty peaches in the quest starring Peter North and Jeez. volume one through six. <laughs> right. No, I don't know that maybe elf quest is all about that. EverQuest is an MMO RPG online. Mm-hmm. Uh, EverQuest. Now, wake me when there's a swingers issue, Dale, if you can. I will do that. ElfQuest. Let's let's get into my book right now. Let's do it. Let's do it. Cut the crap. I'm not sure what... It's cut through the crap that you just heard. Do we want to talk about Lazarus or... Let me blow your mind right now. I'm just going to just override my thought process. You know, ages ago... Uh, Dale was chastised over Twitter by a creator for not continuing to read past the first volume. Uh, we all remember it. It was a day that will live in Twitter infamy. Oh, my God. Twitter bad boy. Uh, now, just past 400 followers. Congratulations. Piece of crap bad boy. Piece of crap bad boy. Uh, we're talking about, obviously, Astro City. God, yes, we are. Kurt Busiek himself... I think a little ding went off on his computer at home. Uh, Dale, you know, talked about, I loved Astro City Volume 1, but I just haven't gotten around to reading the rest, Kurt, Mr. B. And Kurt was not happy about that. It wasn't even that. I was, I told him that we did it for our book club. 
Paper Keg did the book club on it, and he chastised. He's like, "You losers! You only did volume one for your sixty-minute episode <laughs> for your stupid little comic book show." I love I'm the just, I love just the story. Is I went back uh, into the app and I downloaded Astro City number one for Kurt, for Mister B, mm-hmm. and for Twitter Dropout Dale underscore A. So, so a number one Astro City is a story about this father of two girls who has just moved to Astro City, and uh, there's a man on street crew that has come to interview some people about Astro City, and they come to this dad and they ask him his thoughts of Astro City, and he doesn't know quite yet. And over the course of the issue, he sees, you know, uh, Samaritan coming along and miscellaneous superhero activity happening. And he thinks about... <laughs> this is such an odd musical choice. Um, he, he Astro thinks, City. It, this is Astro City's national theme song. He uh, thinks about the decision to move and whether it's good for his kids. And there's some vague comments about how his wife uh, is out of the picture. So, I mean, it, we love the first volume of Astro City because it really just broke down each issue into into individual stories about the city and its characters. And it was phenomenal. And this issue, obviously, is, is no different. It just tells a great story from beginning to end um, of his decision of whether if he made the correct decision moving there because the man on street interviewer comes back to him at the end and he gives his his answer and there's a really cool moment where something happens outside of his his apartment building and he sees this woman and they're talking about her kids and, and he's like where are your kids and they're like oh they're, she's in they're inside doing homework and there's like this catastrophic event happening outside <laughs> and she's like well and he's like he's like he freaks out he's like aren't you worried about them and she goes, you know, well, if we survive this, they're still going to have school tomorrow, so they might as well just do their homework. <laughs> so there was a just a great moment where he sees how the Astro City residents have adapted to this life, and then there's another cool moment towards the end where he finally realizes uh, what happens, um, you know, in that city with the community, and and you know, it it affects his decision of whether or not to stay. Just fantastic, Kurt, Mister B, love it. I'm glad you went uh, back to it. He has such a way of, I don't know, it's just kind of like he th- he thought of everything. I don't know what else to say about Astro City. He thought of everything, these weird stories and the way, like you just described, the way people are affected by the goings-on in the day-to-day. Just completely amazing, mm-hmm. amazing book. I got to get back and read it. You do. And then you know what you should do, which we'll all expect, is you to tweet Kurt afterward and, and give him know, an too update. Burned. Too burned. Too fight. burned out? Kurt Burmy. You know you're, what I mean? I mean, you're once uh, a woman, a, a Dale underscore A scorned is uh, two in the boot, I think is the phrase. I, yeah, that's I definitely think that's the, the phrase. absolute phrase. Yeah, that's I've read that in grade school. Uh, Jonesy loves beer, please. Music shall man. I, shall I'm not sure who was playing, playing that music. It might have been Dale, judging by his chuckle. But, uh, Jonesy, what did you read this week? I want to talk about a title called The Shadow Now. Uh, dynamite book, uh, number one, by uh, David Liss on writing duties and Colton Worley. Talking about Mike, babe. Art. 
Get in there. Uh, yeah, let me baby, get right on in there. Baby Audio, bird. Did we just talk about audio quality? Here I am, sassing it up on paper keg. Um, so, first I want to talk about uh, the art, which is very Alex Rossian, which drew me to this title. It's painted pages, um, but also semi-photorealistic art. Lamont Cranston, who is the shadow, has spent you know the last 40-year 50 years um, kind of rejuvenating in the East using his crazy Eastern martial art techniques to stay young. And uh, he he comes back to the... I can't even look at the screen. He comes back to New York uh, to, you know, kind of uh, take up his shadow empire again to fight uh, the new breed of criminal. And it's um, kind of like a man out of time story, not quite as well done or well executed as Captain America, but definitely a man out of time story that the first issue is pretty intriguing in that it takes away and flips the status quo uh, on the last page. You're not really sure how the shadow is going to um, move forward. It's definitely not the shadow we know from that excellent Alec Baldwin film. Uh, It is definitely a new shadow that has new circumstances to fight. So, it's, uh, I'll probably pick up issue two. It's a pretty interesting book. I don't know if you guys ever um, picked up those novels when you were kids. They were like uh, little pa- like little 200-page paperbacks that were about the Shadows Radio Adventures. Mm. Uh, and saw the, saw the perpe- uh, perplexingly interesting film that is The Shadow starring Alec Baldwin. I so. love that movie. I will watch that at any point if it's on the TV. <laughs> I can just remember having... The car, the shadow car, where he would be a regular Lamont in his little tuxedo, and then you would hit the flipper, and the shadow would come out of it. You guys remember that? Mike, mm-hmm. just crazy? Yeah. The um, um, I think it's on I, Netflix. I'll have to watch it. Yeah, I think I had the action figure, but his cape never stayed on, so he was just walking around with his dopey hat and his face mask, and his. I think if you squeezed his legs, his gu- his arms would raise up and shoot. Or something like that? Uh, the only thing I can clearly remember from the film is back... That was back when, like, CGI and visual effects were just kind of ramping up. So everything, you know, looked great then, but it was really chintzy. And remember there was, like, a flying knife? Yeah. In, like, the opening Ground scene? Ground ba- breaking. And, like, when you were a kid and you just saw that flying knife just, you know, fly everywhere, essentially, and then bite Alec Baldwin on his beautiful hairy hand his supple like, how hands. are they doing that just corded strength right in there of Alec Baldwin just amazing the shadow now uh, pick it up <laughs> is this something they're gonna run like alongside of the because they still have the old the normal shadow book and they have, they're coming out with a third shadow title shadow whole versus line, Grendel or something Dynamite like that is sh- oh yeah yeah they must oh, have man. got the rights and they're just exploiting the H out of them well you saw that um there's like a dark. A ho- there's like a dark horse. Uh, See what sticks. Dynamite crossover. So Red Sanja is teaming <laughs> up with Conan, That's Brian Wood, and Gail Simone. Uh, oh, that'll uh, that'll that'll hit the vocal minority of Twitter comic book people. That'll go they viral. Loved it. I can't As wait to get say. my hands on it. Uh, two senses or less. Before we can even hear Dale's thoughts on it, we need to get into the lightning round. Um, we're running out of tape. Two sentences or less, another book you read, Dale, please. Jeebus. Green Arrow 
Number 24. What? <laughs> Touted on Twitter as a, a great jumping on point for this book. Touted by Dale underscore A as a jumping off point for another two years <laughs> of any DC property. <coughs> Lazarus. Issues one through four. Greg Rucka, hero, writer of The Punisher, Rucka Keg, has crafted a delight of a new title for Image Comics. Highly enjoyable. This should be a Subscribed title for you. Josh Fialkov's The Bunker, issue three. We finally get a glimpse into the far-off future that these characters have made together. How in the H is the human race still surviving? Deadpool Now, Dead Presidents, Volume 1, Volume 6, Deadpool, I think. Where is it, 4? Volume 4. Volume 4, Volume 1, Dead Presidents Now. (laughs) Uh, So this is the relaunch, not a reboot, for the Marvel Now line, you know. Get reading these titles with brand new creative teams. Hop on. Jonesy, please tell us why we hopped on. Oh, man. Did we hop on? Did we? Uh, so spoilers. <laughs> Opinion spoilers from Jonesy. <laughs> Opinion spoilers. <laughs> so Deadpool Volume 4 uh, slash 1 uh, opens up like an Avengers comic. The Avengers are chasing after uh, a rogue S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who's deep into the magic And uh, he is of the opinion that if he resurrects all the good presidents uh, from the United States past, they can come back and kind of set things right and fix the economy and fix the world that's so broken. So Cap uh, attempts to stop him. Excuse me. Attempts to stop him and fails. And he ends up reanimating all the past presidents of the United States. Dum Dum Dugan is kind of relegated to fix this problem. Sorry. And uh, so he kind of uh, ships the responsibility off to a second in command, and she hires Deadpool, you know, the Merc with a Mouth, to go take care of this problem uh, for S.H.I.E.L.D. as it's not something they want splashed across the uh, the newspapers that the uh, President's United States are reanimated and kind of wreaking havoc. You know, something went wrong with the spell, and they're evil now. So in true Deadpool fashion... He uh, he goes about eliminating all of these threats. He breaks that fourth wall and talks to the audience and uh, does a zany action and has his brief moments of a torture past and, you know, completes a pretty big top peewee-esque grand adventure where he sets things right. And that uh, that is the Deadpool Volume 1, Marvel Now. Uh, I will say this before I get... Uh, Nay, say it is a Deadpool hater. 
I have never read a single Deadpool issue that was his own title previously. I really uh, appreciated him as a backup in um, Uncanny X-Force. But I did enjoy this volume. I think in my head I had Deadpool built up as like something was almost zany that it was unreadable. That I would just be totally taken out of it every time he you know, talked about the audience or talked about knowing the fact he was a comic book character. But it actually was so far and uh, between in this volume that I actually didn't mind it when it happened. And besides that, uh, when you can just get that sweet, sweet art in your hands and drawing muscles and swords, I mean, you just you just got to moor it up when you get that art. It sounded like you didn't like it right before your intro. What happened? Or were your expectations so low that it, it exceeded them, but it I, didn't hit the Jonesy scale of a, like a 7 through 10? I... I think that's exactly what happened. I had super low expectations uh, going into reading that pool because I know, like I said, I, uh, I just think it's too off the wall uh, of a character to have in the Marvel U. But when I actually got into reading it, I really dug the comedy of Deadpool. It reminds me of like Hitman, you know, like DC's Hitman. Never where read it. You never read DC's Hitman? Well, it's essentially mm-hmm. a, uh, a Marvel character who has comic adventures in the DCU. And uh, this was a very similar vibe to me, so I actually dug it. I I didn't think it was too ham-handed like I originally thought. So I actually really liked uh, this volume. I don't know if I'll continue reading, or I don't know if I'll be a Deadpool fan, but I was pleasantly surprised when uh, Hmm. when I finished reading this trade. Dale, what did uh, you yawned a few times during Jonesy's uh, speech? That's just whenever I talk. He just rips it up. (laughs) Yawn right in his face. Um, I I can tell you in my head, I didn't know what to expect. Like Jonesy, I've never read a Deadpool single title. Maybe I've read a couple Deadpool and Cable. And I always, like, I like when he showed up in Spider-Man a few times. And, you know, I like him in other books. But uh, only per you... Slim, I had book of the year built up in my head. <sighs> like, just because based on what you're currently reading in Deadpool, and you're saying it's fantastic and stuff, that's all I had to go on. And I went in, and I was just mildly impressed, I think, with it. And I don't know... I don't know if I had it built up in my head because this comedy team was writing the book that I was expecting Deadpool to be just a laugh a minute romp, but it really wasn't. It was like Chuckle Hut, miss, super misfires, like all of his one-liners. And But I realize he's probably supposed to be more just a... a, a you know, the Merc with a mouth, he's just saying things whether they are hilarious or not. But I feel like it It felt like the way it was written, it was supposed to be hilarious. Mm-hmm. But I just wasn't laughing most of the time. There were some genuinely funny, funny spots in the book, but for the most part, I was just mostly unimpressed with Deadpool's personality and the way he would interact with 
uh, everyone in the book. I grew up a huge Deadpool fan. The Deadpool, Joe Kelly, Ed McGinnis series was like it for me. Ed McGinnis was one of my all-time favorite artists around that time. Like I would buy anything with his name on it. So he eventually went from Deadpool to the Hulk. And then I think he went to do Superman for DC. And then he did Batman Superman with Jeff Loeb. Great run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was like Ed McGinnis love fest. And I loved Deadpool. And I actually pretty much just stopped reading Deadpool after he left. And I, I'm, I didn't like Daniel Way's Deadpool. I didn't like really anybody else's treatment of Deadpool after that and with what dale was mentioning earlier was i've been reading the current storyline in deadpool which for now for whatever reason i can't remember i think the good the bad and the ugly or something like that with that the same writing team is doing but with declan shalvey on pencils fantastic five stars right now okay amazing okay with that said I had when this first came out, I'd only read the first issue. Going back, it definitely feels like um, Dugan and uh, Posehn hadn't hit their stride yet with the character, or um, writing together, or just for I don't know for this book. It's like two different writers compared to what I'm reading now. Really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right, that and the character helps. feels totally different. Now, that could hmm. be a conscious choice because the subject matter in the current storyline is 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 darker and more personal. Okay. But it definitely feels like two different writers like a lot of the jokes in the first issue were like they just felt super hackneyed like the one-liners, the quips, like I it, mm-hmm. after reading them in my head, I was like, I wonder how this scene would have played if they just didn't add that one-liner. Would it still have been funny, like the scene where he goes and jumps in the grandma's room, where he's waving to her and he says, hi, grandma. Like, in my head, like, I wonder, well, that kind of would have worked if he didn't say anything. Yeah. It's just a lot of those lines, and I don't know if that's the vibe they wanted for this arc, or they eventually gelled more later in the run, mm-hmm. but it didn't fit for me. And even the this, the issue after this run was like the Deadpool in the 70s issue which they called like um, they made an in joke saying like you know sometimes when we ship books the one that we're working on isn't done yet so we have to go into our our archive and pull out an (laughs) an issue that we never published and just put that out and and like this is that issue when it was made in the 70s and it was hilarious but I, for whatever reason, just the jokes in the first half, first three quarters of this book didn't gel at all for me. And I really like the last half a lot more than the first half of this trade. Yeah, I, I was going to say that too. I, I think the last two issues really did a better job at uh, making me like the book than the first three or four issues. It was just, And I don't know if maybe the, the first arc was just like they barely had enough story there. Like it's it's an interesting story where this magician is trying to bring all the dead presidents back and the dead president and basically you bring something back from the dead it's like pet cemetery you bring you bring something back from the dead it's not the same as it was when it was alive like it comes back without its humanity mm-hmm. so these dead presidents are just trying to take over the world and I almost felt like 
it was just a too ambitious of a story for a six issue arc. And which was which was interesting because a lot of the Marvel Now titles had had chosen to do like a three or four issue arc to kind of introduce the new creative team and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Now, and I don't want to say it felt like rushed or anything like that. I don't know if that's really. I think this was a bi monthly book too. This one came out twice a month. Oh, okay, oh, okay. Well, so maybe that helped, and it's probably guaranteed that you know there's a Deadpool like base of Deadpool fans obviously because Deadpool stays in print and at you know at times he's got three or four titles um and the like the first issue and Tony Moore's art is is fantastic in the book I think I Agreed. really it's I really love it but there was like a, a a joke in the first issue right in the first couple of pages where Harry Truman is resurrected and <laughs> His line is, who dares veto the eternal rest of Harry S. Truman? <laughs> and I cracked up. I was like, this is going to be great. I, uh, But it didn't like stick with that bizarre humor. It was just like slaps, dumb slapstick humor or something like that. And, uh, and compared to, and I, I honestly thought, I was like, this can't be what Slim's reading now. Like something had to have gelled more. And it felt, and it, it does kind of feel like maybe it's just a too ambitious a story to be spread out over six issues like this. There were like shades of really hilarious, um, like offhand jokes. Like at the end of a page, there'd be like Deadpool at the end, like when they visited Doctor Strange. He's like, "How can I get comfortable here? This this reminds me of my uncle Sharon's house." <laughs> yeah, and there was like a bunch of those, like yeah. hidden and sprinkled in scenes, like where if you weren't really paying attention, you would have missed the joke. Uh, like a lot of the presidents had like really quiet jokes, but some of them were like really over the top and in your face, kind of you know how I guess how the Deadpool character was. Mm-hmm. But and I I know like people love this run, but maybe they're used to that with Deadpool and. With us, I think all three of us are de- are used to and loving the uncanny X Force Deadpool, and when you don't get that, mm-hmm. it's like a shock to the system. Now, how did this read like your big Deadpool days, your heyday Deadpool days? Was it I, is it the same? I think it is. I think it's very much the same, but that's not a character that I'm interested in reading anymore. Whether, oh, okay. you know, I think that, I think it stays true to the character, definitely. Okay. But, like, going okay. back and reading my Deadpool issues, that's not to say I'll still love them, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. how we went back and read Spawn and it was, like, human garbage, <laughs> just melted into comic book form. <laughs> but there, I still had an appreciation for it. That didn't mean I was still, like, thought it was great. I will say one thing, uh, a couple positives I took away from this. Um, I did love the portrayal of important comic book characters through Deadpool's kind of point of view. Like, Captain America was kind of, like, too, like, bright. Like, he really didn't get it. He wasn't with it. He just throws a shield and walks away and thinks he's won, even though he hasn't cleaned up his own mess. Uh, How about the scene with George Washington at the end with Cap? (laughs) That was pretty hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh... (laughs) Thor was like a dumb blonde, uh, and like, uh, what's his name? Doctor Strange was like a um, sexual deviant. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just like a but like they're framed in such a way. Whereas, like, 
you know, when you're reading an action book with these characters, you know, their flaws and humanity isn't really exposed. But uh, in Deadpool, they're not afraid to, like, point out all the weirdness Mm -hmm. about the characters as they go through, which I loved. And and is that something they keep moving forward? Are there these weird cameos that kind of... I'm, you know, I, I, characters in a bad honest, I'm not or? even sure because the 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 70s issue I read and I thought was hilarious, but that was just one of those times where I just forget about the book, and I just didn't go back to read it. Where I, like I thought it was amazing, but it just didn't. I mentally for me, I just didn't go back to the title. And the reason I went back to the current run was mainly because it had the artist on it, and it featured Wolverine and Captain America, and that was like the main reason I came back to it. And it's it's like fantastic, and I think you see some of that towards the end of this run of this trade. Like you can see yeah. where they kind of yeah. I mean, just in my opinion, they just get more comfortable with the character in the book, and the dynamic shifts with the the Shield agent is now in his head, and that creates like this hilarious dynamic for the book from here on out. And you kind of see like Deadpool finally opening up, where when she's murdered you see him open up about how, you know, everything was taken from him and he doesn't have any friends and he gets really irritated that she was murdered. And, um, you know, it, I, I thought that part was great because like I jumped into the series, not knowing that's how it happened. Yeah. And I, I think the, I, I do like the, um, how there was like a low, there's like middle management shield agents, and and this like the sassy black woman was featured as being one of them. Like she's got to keep track of Deadpool and stuff like that. And they form this bond, and like she starts complimenting Deadpool. And the more she's talking, she's really just she's not she's still complimenting Deadpool, but she's basically just telling him that he's not worth it, and she's just paying him to do this good work and like he still causes a wreck and, and he's mm-hmm. like the entire time he's he's just happy eating burritos and stuff like that and then <laughs> I think like every scene where he's not fighting he's eating a burrito <laughs> and there was one line where she was dead she was dead spoilers she was dead and uh he was like going on i don't know if he was talking or, or was an inner monologue but it was like you know she was we we bonded and we got along and we were friends and then she, and there was a line like and she paid me to do that or she paid me to to do exactly that or something like that it was really <laughs> like like it's funny because it's still it was about the money but there was friendship mm-hmm. there the scene where the little kid uh, when he like saves the day the little kid comes up to him and says that he's like his favorite costumed hero and they reenact that famous jersey scene where he throws. His, instead of a jersey, yeah. he throws it. He throws the, his bloody mask. <laughs> <laughs> his constant like open sores on his head, yeah. and and the kids like all freaked out, and he's got blood, Deadpool's blood on his face. It was hilarious. So we're re- we're we're going off on the hel- the really hilarious parts. There are a lot of throwaway parts, but yeah, there's a ton of throwaway moments. In the, I kind of gave I, we're giving these people the trailer moments right now. I mean, it is a lot, and I'm wondering if it wasn't a bi-monthly i wonder if it would have been three issues or four tops maybe yeah that that's sort of um when you said it was bi-monthly that kind of like it made more sense and it made like a probably it was a better reason why it could have been six issues and still not feel like it was long in the tooth or something and even two you can see that in the letters pages i think issue two and maybe even issue three they still hadn't gotten real life letters so they used 
they asked their creator buddies to write a letter. So, like, at the back, like, Matt Fraction had written a letter, James Asmus, um, <laughs> and a few others that I, for whatever reason, I can't think of. But it, those those letter pages were pretty funny, too. So, that was a cool little touch. I like the, uh, the like, the one big splash page where he's in the octagon with Abe Lincoln. And mm. did you see Daredevil was watching the match? Oh, no, I didn't see that. No, I missed that, too. Yeah, all you see is, like, the back of Daredevil's head, and you see the two horns sticking up. And to the right of him are clearly, like, Posehn and Dugan watching the match. And next to him, oh, it looked cool. like Jason Aaron was written in or drawn in. And maybe Axel Alonso was to the left of him. I couldn't figure out who the two hmm. guys on the left were. Interesting. That's cool. That's neat. Yeah, it was funny. This, it, was, this it was probably good. This is probably the least amount that Jonesy has ever had to say about a book club. I think ever. Oh, uh, come on, not the least. I I, I kind of think I was afraid that we weren't that all of us weren't going to have enough to t- say about the book though. It was just like when I was done and maybe it was because you know, I hadn't had a lot of time to process what we read in the past 36 hours <laughs> recording last time, but I was just like what are we going to say about the book because it just I don't know, you know, books like this where it's just kind of like meh. I worry the most. You do worry a lot. I worry. I think I we should worry. come back uh, in a few months and do the the arc that I'm reading as one of our back to the well book clubs. Okay. Do a volume two. I think this would be volume four, volume two, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm definitely interested in that because what I read and what you tend to... I, I mean, I tend to take your... Uh, your opinions on comic very seriously and and i know thank you i thank know you. what i read is not what you were reading you know recently on deadpool so we could probably do we could probably uh kick that up to the top of the list near the top of the list jonesy we're not doing it next week just so you know <laughs> jonesy's down are we, are we doing right this rugged style because i'm ready guys <laughs> and uh yeah but uh, yeah i think we should i because i want to read this uh the masterpiece you know, by the time this posts, Greg Rucka will have been at the Comicsology booth doing a signing for Bunker, and I will have fawned over him for the Punisher run that he did. Hopefully, you not probably awkwardly. will be having a uh, brew pop, as you call it, with him at a local bar. <laughs> Maybe some guzzlies. <laughs> guzzlies. Rucka pop. Ice pops. You know, I had a Long Island Rucka the other day. This guy. Don't be afraid to. Totally group paper Texas, keg. though. Totally group I will, Texas. I will specifically mention that Paper Keg did an entire show based on his Punisher work. You'll say, my buddies and I do a book club. That uh, I won't mention your names, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We got your letters. I'm going to open them up. Farrington's going to read them to, to you. you. Letters get started? Oh, at com. <clears throat> Shoot an email, you know, about Ruck, Greg Rucka mm-hmm. and Rucka Keg and how Jonesy just jumps into <laughs> Rucka Keg ideas <laughs> while we're mid, mid-sentence. <laughs> Interrupts our conversation, ask his wife about the Rucka style <laughs> book club. We're gonna, You're we're getting meta now. You're hey, too hon. meta. Hey, hon. Uh, Rucka Keg? <laughs> <laughs> too meta. 
Too meta. Uh, folks, we got some letters this week. We appreciate the, the, the letters. We love you when, when you send us letters. And we got some this week. So we're going to read them now. This first one, uh, Roy, I read on my commute in and I was sweating while reading this. I was so nervous and you'll find out why soon. So I'm listening to your newest episode and had never heard of the book, uh, book club that you did. I typed in the name in the Google search bar and just as I did, my boss came over. She said hello and asked me to restart my computer to get a new update. Full restart takes forever, but I have uh, you guys to fill the time in. Then I go back to the Google search bar and was about to hit search when I get a call. Another 10 minutes to work the file with your dulcet tones in my earphones. Now you guys are getting to the book. Have to see the cover before you start. Just as I went to hit search at the 2654 mark in the cast, Nerd Jesus, Jonesy Loves Beer, warns me not to search Sin Tatulo at work. Thank you, Jonesy. Uh, yeah, when I was reading this, I was getting nervous. I'm like, oh my god, we just cost this guy his job because he <laughs> Googled Sin Tatulo when we told him not to, but we may have been too late. And uh, thank you, Jonesy. You saved this man's job. Yeah, not only do I get, you know, I rarely give any kind of good advice ever in my life. So this is proof Fact. that one time, I, one time ever, I gave somebody some good advice. Uh, let's see. Save we got a bacon. That's what you did. Who wrote that email? Did you say? Oh, that was uh, Roy Kajal. All right. Our, uh, our final letter from a uh, friend of the show, Chris Miranda. Actually, just got one more, uh, too. Oh, you got one more? I'm sorry. Second to last letter. Uh, Oi, keggers. Of late, I find myself drawn to and reading a lot of 80s comics. Claremont's X-Men, Miller's Dark Knight Returns, Los Bros Hernandez, Love and Rockets, Marson's Doom Patrol, and so on. Each absolutely fantastic in its own right and all pushing the limits of the medium. And your opinion... How has the last decade or so of comics matched up? Are we still pushing the limits and writing truly epic story arcs, or have we fallen victim to the status quo? Uh, I'll, I'll give my two cents real quick. I think it's kind of the situation where that change in storytelling in the 80s became the ar- uh, archetype. Like, it became, you know, everybody had to be dark, everybody had to be witty, everybody had to tell morality, play with each story. And I don't think we've changed that much since the uh, the late '80s. We still strive for that Claremontian, you know, level of high-minded comics. And I think we've, I think, as a genre, everybody's gotten a little more wittier and snarkier as you know, kind of technology and social media kind of influences comic books. But I don't think the last ten years. Have had those huge breakthroughs in storytelling, or you know, the zeitgeist, if you will, that they did in the eighties. Uh, what do you guys think? <clears throat> um, for me, I would say, and p- particularly because I've probably been paying a lot more attention to comics that have come out in the past ten years. Um, but I think, I think that epic level of storytelling is there. It's not just with you know the DC Elseworlds books, or 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 something that's like it's Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen and, and all that. It's just more um, standalone creator t- 
type stories that aren't with like big two publishers. I think I think the storytelling is there. Um, there's just there's probably just a lot more out there in the last ten years. So the percentage of like hard hitting stuff is smaller, but it's probably just as much and or if not more than the eighties. Now, when we did, like, Love and Rockets, that was, like, a huge book. It was an amazing book. So, I know what, I, you know, some of the examples you gave, I know what you're talking about from the 80s. But, I th- yeah, I think it's there. I think we've uh, we've done a, a good job with a lot of the stuff in the last 10 years. It's just all, doesn't involve Batman. Yeah. Or Daredevil. Daredevil. Born again. I don't really have, I think uh, you guys both hit my opinion on it. I don't have anything to add. Uh, thanks, Chris Miranda. Though I mean, we haven't heard from him in a long a time. I thought so. he was dead. I saw him was, tweet uh, today out of uh, out of nowhere. I got an at reply from him. Beautiful that uh, you Must wrote have his thanks, his Chris. Uh, stick around, babe. <clears throat> Last letter comes in under the wire seven minutes ago. Hi, fellas. Always good to hear new episodes of Paper Keg, and even though I have fallen a little behind in my podcasting, tuning into the show is consistently a treat. What are your thoughts on Battle of the Atom? This is an event that crosses three to four titles and involves as many different writers and artists. Despite that, so far the event has been very well paced and featured really even storytelling. There are not that many more writers for AVX and that event, as well as most other major recent events seem to have a lot of pacing and storytelling problems that were often put on the number of people involved. Is the size of those events versus this one a factor in the final product? Another thing is that Adam requires interested readers to have to pick up other titles, even for only one issue, to follow the story. Most events seem to make sure the readers are not put in this position. Did it bother you guys, if you're following it, to have to get other titles to keep up? Keep it up, Panooch. Ah, Panooch. Uh, no, I was not uh, bothered by getting other titles. In fact, by getting some other titles, I got hit with the old classic. Maybe I'll start following these runs. There you go. Because Battle of the Atoms in there. So they, they did their job on me. They got mm-hmm. the hooks in me. And uh, I love Battle of the Atoms. It's just a small, uh, poppy, you know, crossover. It's not heavy-handed. You know, we've been through Schism, we've been through AVX, we've been through the big shocks, you know, the ages of Ultron, and um, I just think this Battle of the Atom is just a nice, like, small one that uh, I can kind of get into, and hopefully it'll get collected in its own trade at some point, and I can just buy that and flip back to it whenever I want. Love it. It's like old school X-Men Extinction Agenda... You know, Executioner's Song, you have to get the crappy X titles that you don't like. I mean, not that I'm saying that the X titles are crappy, but essentially getting stuff you don't usually read. And I think even Extinction Agenda had, like, some issues that had some art that was, like, looking back. doesn't hold up at all. But it was still, you know, a piece of the story, and I still like that. Probably nostalgia factor, mainly. But the story is still great. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's there's some fantastic storytelling, and I like the pacing of it. I don't mind the, um, you know, the more like talking heady kind of issue, like with the where where Kitty showed up with um, 
Rachel Summers maybe, and was trying to put, uh, you know, stop, stop, you know, uh, the current X-Men from deciding the fate of the past X-Men and stuff like that. Um, and mostly because I think it's, you know, it's the, the event is happening nice and quick, snappy one to two issues per week of the crossover. And I like that each of the tie-ins is like a direct sequel, like a direct linear next issue. Whereas it's, you know, not a tie-in like, uh, I think slim when you actually interviewed Dan Slott, he mentioned the, like the red sky, issue of crisis on infinite earth or something like that where it was a tie-in but really the only thing that happened in this random batman tie-in was the the red the sky turned red because that's what was happening in the main event book or something like that i like i don't mind it because it's a direct you know then it's the storyline is happening directly from the end of um all new x-men right to uncanny x-men it's like the direct follow-up so it 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 would it would almost be if it was like battle for the atom one through six but it's just split up in different titles and maybe it's because i you know i collect most of those titles anyway but i i love it i really love it and it's and it seems like it's i mean it's definitely got some weight to it it's got um you know consequences but it just doesn't feel i guess it just doesn't feel as huge cuz the marketing push wasn't there like it was for age of ultron and uh, infinity and even um avengers versus x-men which is the big dog it just feels a lot smaller which is nice because they you know they have these big events and this one seems a little little more tidy in the x-men universe Remember when uh, Jonesy was whining about the bloom being off the all-new X-Men Rose? My God, Jonesy. God, what a 20, horrifying... 20 episodes ago? <laughs> and then I think I... issues ago. I think I... Bat- Jonesy was <laughs> backpedaling like 30 seconds into my own speech. Yeah, I remember. I think before that show had even posted, you were you were backpedaling, moonwalking into the next <laughs> issue of all-new X-Men. It's, you know what? I, how many times did I say I was going to quit Dakin and that book was garbage? <laughs> Uh, what a show. What a show. I think we were... It's like, you know, it's like we we're... We brought it back. We brought Zach it back. Attack. We're Zack Attack, and we're out there every night performing, and it's just like, you know... Zack Attack. We're not yeah, getting... At Disney World. It's not getting to us. We act, we're, we're pulling it off like, um, you know, somebody who does this nightly on tour. You have to look up Disney uh, video AB, with ABC stars on YouTube tonight. See if you can find the link. I'm finding it. Your mind will be blown. That's it. Akira. <laughs> Episode 125. Oh, mid-November. It's happening. Are you ready? No. Question mark? No. The answer is no. We'll see everybody... So long. So long. Next week...
So I want to tell you guys a story about how well you've trolled me into obedience over the last <laughs> 120 episodes or so. So I was in my uh, on my iPad in the Comicsology, and I love that purchase tab because I forget everything I buy and kind of delete. So I was mm-hmm. kind of skimming through it. And I remember that like 30 episodes ago, I downloaded that Fraction Iron Fist uh, title, Volume 1. And I was like, yeah, I remember this. I remember it didn't suck so bad. I'm going to bring it to Paper Keg and see if they want to do the first volume of this book club. And then I remember you guys are the biggest trolls on the planet (laughs) and would ridicule me and tear this book apart when we did the book club. So I quietly didn't download uh, the first volume. Uh, locked the screen on my iPad, put it down, and went to play with my son and felt a little better about myself. <laughs> I would have done it. I would have said, yeah, let's do it. No. I'm excited to nah. do it. And now you'll, you ruined Fine. that chance. Fine. We're doing it next Too episode. late. You already, you already blew we're, it. You already we're blew doing it. it. The, big, the, <laughs> biggest hurdle, the biggest hurdle is Slim because you know he does it. When he pretends like you didn't say anything, that's when you know he's not interested in doing the book club. Yeah, or he, he totally immediately suggests another book. Like, yeah. you put a book out there, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that book. So, the, here's the book we're doing. <laughs> that doesn't but, sound like anything I would do. Does, not at all. I would do that. I would do that, but I remember not being very into it the first time. I tried reading it. I, I got, like, three, three issues. I think it's the fraction that attracted me to it, because I'm so mm. digging what he's doing now. And I can't really remember how it went. Or if it was fractiony, if that makes any sense. Mm. So I kind of want to do read it again, but I don't know. I don't know if we'd all like it. It's very like Thorish in the fact that there's mysticism, and we, you know what I mean. We um maybe we could finally decide to do one of those new Fifty Two book clubs, like the the Night of the Owls, mm-hmm. Court of the Owls, Death of the Family. Yeah, you know, Comicsology like just that. got those trades. Ruckus style. Yeah, I saw that. Ruckus style. Get out of here. <laughs> I would Arkham, do. I would Arkham definitely City. do. Quarter of the Owls. I would definitely do that. You got Arkham. Oh yeah, Arkham City. Arkham City is one. It's all Batman. Let's just face it. It's not DC. It's Batman. Let's just do Batman. Yeah. All the Batman. What was Batman the last time kick. we did a Bat book? Hush. Like five Hush, episodes ago. Maybe. Was it five episodes ago? <laughs> yeah, it feels was, like it wasn't forever. Ever. It feels like we do like seventy nine percent Marvel, twenty percent DC, and one percent Image. That's how it feels. Like I don't know how that adds up. To be honest, you are we might have to get an intern on the addition of that. Listen, uh, the reason we have interns is so I don't have to do math, guys. So we also, you know, just making a mental note, we could do as a volume two, a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen trade. Mm, as we have, yeah, now. I really like volume one. I would do volume two, Superman Earth One, volume two. Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> Please clip that out. And then troll me by by just, you know, make sure I'm in a meeting when you tweet me that. Final Crisis, we had talked about doing. I think we did Infinite Crisis instead. God help us, what a terrible <laughs> idea that was. <laughs> Final Crisis is what, Big Morrison, Grant Morrison. Oh, we, we just keep going back to Morrison. I think next week book is Morrison, if it's still a thing. And you didn't What's our book like. next week? You Have dis- I downloaded it yet? I don't know. 
It's Batman supposed to, the well, Dark I thought Knight it was, Strikes Again. It is uh, per our text agreement that you guys will ignore. It was Joe the Barbarian. Did we agree with oh, that, or yeah. was that Did just tossed around? Or I think it was my suggestion. I'm happy with that. Well, when I when I laid out the last, the next three book clubs with Joe the Barbarian being the third, there were no objections. There was ignore. It was ignored. So so you rate you rate a you rate an ignore. You rate a non rejection higher than an ignore. So a non rejection equals confirmation. Right. Hmm. It's like playing the market. You know, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Maybe it'll be Joe the Barbarian, folks. I don't know. We'll see. I, uh, I don't. Dale think will just throw his hands up in the air when the decision is made. <laughs> uh, did you do that episode for the Comics Podcast, Dale? Oh. Were you there no, for that one? I wasn't there for that. Oh yeah. So then, this is perfect opportunity for us to lift that embargo and do a Comics Podcast book, which we have done once before. I think Have so. Mm-hmm. I think so. One before. Can't remember. It's like a big episode for us then. The embargo is lifted. You know, if you guys want to do Joe the Barbarian over Court of the Owls, then that's that's fine. I've been oh, outvoted. Geez, here we go. All you know, right. if that's what let's you guys want. Let's do of the Owls. No, let's do Joe the Barbarian. Let's just do it. We got We just got to stagger. We got to stagger the books. We got to stagger the hits. We got to stagger the publishers. Stagger the hits. Yeah, we could you know. do uh, Court of the Owls after that, though. Aren't they both Vertigo or Vertigo slash DC? Might be no, I think Court of the Owls is just DC Warner Brothers back to back. That's true. <laughs> Probably be another couple months before we get to Court of the Owls. We got to stagger. <laughs> we have to stagger. We owe it. It'll probably be a post Akira. That'll Look. be that'll have to be like our new numbering system. Post Akira PA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one episode PA. <laughs> My God, that's going to be epic. Volume six is like twice. They get bigger. The no. books get bigger. You're, volume you're saying get, it's like 600, six? 600 pages? I don't know if it's 600 pages, but I'm Come telling on. you. I am telling you, I have Dale, the physical books. Are you on volume six right now? No, I'm not. All right. I'm not. Not yet. I did make some good headway, though. I think... I don't know, guys. It's close. We got like two weeks left before. Get the hell out got, of here. We, we got like just three weeks. We have weeks. a month. We have a month. I just, my butt cheeks just loosened when you said that. We do. We do. We have a month. We have God. A <coughs> so I have to read a volume a week because I'm like one quarter of the way through three. So Plus gotta, like, the book club the books. Plus the book club. <laughs> Remember, arcs. we're like we're only going to pick three or four issue arcs, and then every arc after that first one has been six, six issue Deadpool arc, hundred fifty five pages. Okay, Good all right. <laughs> <laughs> when does the Wake issue come out? Maybe we could do the Wake as a uh, book. <laughs> I just read those three issues. I'm pretty much done. <laughs> Lazarus, Lazarus, book one. You just did it for your lightning round. How can we do it? As a shh, 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 shh. Cut it precious, out. You'll precious. you'll edit in a new lightning round. It'll be me talking about Fury Agent again. <laughs>